start so for example mummy and daddy are playing stuff when you're young you don't give a you don't give a fuck where you shop right mm. but when you when you do your own business and you're paying your own money you start to think well hang on if i can save money so here's an example right um let's say at waitrose a decent weekly shop is 100 quid let's just say mm-hmm. at little you're probably looking at 40 quid so you've saved 60 quid there over a month that's 240 quid that 240 quid you could put into your business and that 240 quid suddenly an influencer cost I saw you post about this the other day actually um, what was it you said something about 300 quid and spending it on marketing so I've, I've been through my designer phase right a couple of years back you know get the get the Dior t-shirt get the Prada jumpers all this stuff right and the thing is is that that was before FitFCK um, really sort of started to grow and I started to really realise the value of micro marketing mm-hmm. so you know it's not all about one million pound kim kardashian deals is probably a lot more than that but like you know it's also about the you know the 200 quid you could spend there the 50 quid you can put into merchandise there all this stuff and yeah i, I don't shop anywhere apart from like primark h&m uniqlo at a push zara a very push i don't yeah. know any designer gear because that 300 pound dior t-shirt that you've bought right I know for a fact is a decent influencer that I could pay for who would get me a lot of traction to the downloads. So what would I rather have? Look wealthy to people that probably don't matter because mm. anyone who cares what you're wearing doesn't really matter to you, right? It's about who you are. Or would I rather have a wealthy business but dressed in a 20 quid outfit? Yeah. You know? And, and that's the thing is that like um, the, the valuation at the raise was three mil. My t-shirt today is actually three quid. Really? Yeah, or it's in my bag. I'm not wearing a t-shirt right now because I got sweaty on the train. Nice. But that—that's the point, you know. And what would you rather be wearing a, a three grand top, where your business is not doing anything because you're not investing your money mm. into it? And another thing, mate, is that having investors. What are you going to do when you turn up to an investor meeting and you're head to toe in drip, as they call it, and your business is underperforming? Yeah, it's not a good look. Is it? You're a smart guy. You'd clock it straight away. You'd be like, yeah, if you spent less money on your fu- on your fucking outfit and in the business, it would be better. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I suppose the flip side of that is, have you ever come across, like, have you ever had anyone, like, mention your your clothes, uh, like an investment mean or... No, mate, because it, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, if you look like shit, you'll always look like shit. Mm. I'd like to think that, you know, whatever I wear, I'll, I'll carry it off. And, you know, some people may say, oh, that's arrogant. I, I don't think so. I think self-love is one of the most important things as a founder. I think mm. you need to. Um, what I would say is, you know, who's a great example... Um, okay, so if we go below the Steve Jobs and the, not the Steve Jobs, the um, Elon Musk and the Jeff yeah, Bezos yeah. level to the UK entrepreneur scene, let's take Ben Francis for, for an example. Yeah. Couldn't be more relevant. I swear to God, the bloke only wears like one outfit. I've only ever seen him in like, yeah, gym gear. Firstly, it's smart. It's, it's his outfit. Like I do the same with my gym. It's always black t-shirt, black shorts, orange trainers, right? Black snapback. But it... I can guarantee you he's not one of these guys who, you know, wakes up on a Monday and goes straight onto Flannel's website and sees what designer gear he can buy. Mm. He's got more important things to worry about. Yeah. And the bloke's got a billion pound business. Why would he care about what he's wearing? Yeah. I, I, it, there seems to be like, it It always seems to be like people start off trying to dress to impress and then they, mm. all the billionaires seem to like come back down, don't they? Like, they always, like Bill Gates and stuff, you never see him wearing like designer stuff. It's almost like they want to fit in more of the millionaires rather than the billionaires. Tim Tim Stockley, the couldn't I don't know why I didn't mention this, the, the OnlyFans founder. Yeah, yeah. First time I met him, completely like 
didn't spot one label. I've never seen him wearing a label, but the bloke's built a six billion pound business. Mm. Why does he need to? I'm sure he's got a plethora of watches and cars. Did you say six billion? Conservatively. Really? Oh, mate, it's, so last year it was reported on Bloomberg that there was 500 mil paid out in dividends. That's mad. But what I've always said is that, you know, you'll always get the the woke, you know, person saying, oh, well, it's, it's, it's this, it's that. Well, at the end of the day, it's empowered a, a, a generation of females in whatever way you look at it to earn more than a lot of guys in the city do right now. And at the end of the day, as long as they're consensually doing it, there's not an issue with that for me. If they're being forced to do it, then we've got a problem. Mm. But if a girl's saying, look, I've come from, in inverted commas, nothing, because we don't know what the definition of nothing is really in the UK. Mm. It's a lot worse elsewhere. And she's like, you know, I'm now making 300K a month. Yeah. And I've paid off my mum's mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. Then, you know, I'm, I'm fully down with that. And do I think it's the most impactful business of the past decade for Gen Z millennials? 100%. 100%. Because you can't go into a household in the UK and not have someone know what OnlyFans is yeah it's 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 going to be interesting to see how it develops but I, th- I think the, pl- the plus side of it for sure is like if you want to go down that route it's, it's quite a dodgy route mate I'd fully say it I'd never do it myself mm. because when it's on the internet it's there forever yeah and we, know, we know that that's that's a fact right but um, I think that what I would say is that you know one of the things that you hear on LinkedIn when they put up that article of um trying to cancel they're trying to cancel adult content off the website I don't know if you saw that like a couple I of years didn't ago. see this no. there's like a damn it there goes my <laughs> business model <laughs> but like the thing is mate is that like you know some people are saying oh well you know they'll never be able to sell the company to X person X person Y and person Z because it's it's adult content if I owned OnlyFans why would I want to sell it mm. yeah. I certainly wouldn't you know that's generational wealth for whoever the owners are now that Tim's exited mm. You know, um, you know. I, I don't. I don't think he wakes up every morning thinking, "Cross, I've got to sell this business." Yeah. Why would he? Yeah, it's uh, it's doing all right. <laughs> but um, with you, mate, mm. I think it'd be interesting just to go back to we touched on it earlier. But if you could just talk us through, like your early days, mm-hmm. just basically your journey up until now. Because you went to, we obviously were talking earlier that you went to boarding school, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me anyway. So I went to a. Um, do you know, what? I always confuse public school, private school, Same. because Same. in America, mm. public school means private school here, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a weird one. When you go on TikTok, for example, you see like there's these debate videos like what's private, what's public, all this stuff. But mm. I went to Bloxham in Oxfordshire um, from eleven to eighteen, and I will hand on heart say that those who were the best years recreation not recreation <laughs> sorry uh non-professionally it was the best days of my life yeah i preferred it to uni because i started my first business at uni so it wasn't really a uni life but so i went from blocks into 11 to 18 um lived the typical you know boarding school bloke life of you know rugby's all that matters mm. and um loved that had and i was very fortunate that I was in the, the best house as well. So when you're at a boarding school, they put you into houses, literally like Hogwarts. So we got put in houses though. Well, there you go, so you, you had it as well, right? Not all schools have it though. And there was, I think, uh, four boy houses and my house and this house called Wilson with a, like two renowned sporty houses where like the lads would go, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we just had like an incredible tight knit community. Like I still talk 
to this day to my mates, my, my COO now was in my house with me. That's cool. And um, so I, I absolutely loved it. And anyway, get to about 15, 16, and I'm telling my parents I want to be a rugby player and molder. I was never good enough, but like I thought I could be, right? Um, typical deluded founder, really. And uh, got to uh, this thing called the Wasps Acer. So when you're 16, you get 16, 17, there's like the Acer program, which is like the equivalent of that academy. So you get Worcester Acer, Northampton Acer, Wasps Acer, all the big clubs, right? And I got to the trial, and they basically just said, you're, you're, you're too skinny. And could you say that in 2023? No chance. Were you skinny in school, though? Mate, I was tiny. Really? Like, I'll send you pictures after this. Like, I was actually a rake because I got confused. I used to think that going to the gym, you didn't have... I just got the nutrition wrong. Like, I always say, if I knew what I knew now when I was a teenager, I'd be a, a mutant. Yeah. Because you got all the time in the world. Our school had the most ridiculous food available, like, good and it was a great gym so and you're playing rugby every day it would have been unreal um but so i get rejected from this academy go back in tears literally to my parents i'm crying they email my dad the next week and they're like look he needs to hit the gym over the summer and then come back so i get into the gym i do the typical home gym bought like yeah. a naff or my parents bought like a naff squat rack off ebay dumbbells maxi muscle protein shakes Max Muscle was the, sh- was the shit, mate. I loved it. So sad what happened to their founder. He, he died in a motorbike crash. I didn't. Sorry when to did this happen? Drop the tone. Um, last year, I was literally, we were talking on LinkedIn, and then I found out. Wow, yeah, yeah, really? Yeah. It was really chilling to see that. I was like, fuck. Like, oh, was wow. Like, so rest in peace, obviously. But um, yeah, so like, I just fell in love with it, though. And I always thought that the process, the routine, and the obsessiveness of the gym, it can be translated to business as well. Mm. So I was obsessed with it. And you can ask my mates at school, like I got the piss taken on me for it. I was always banging the gym, banging protein shakes as a teenager or whatever. Um, but then when I finished school and I've done my gap year, I uh, said to my parents, like, look, I really want to take this fitness thing seriously. And it's when fitness was on the cusp. Like mm. Gymshark was quite, you know, established at this point, you know, uh, you have my protein getting big and everything like this. And I set up my first business at university, which is basically a company called Train to Gain Fitness. So during the day I'd study, I was doing business management, sports science, and ironically, sports science was way harder than business management. All I learned as a business management student was how to become an accountant. Right. <laughs> learned, I didn't know what an investor was. Didn't learn anything like the most, one of the most important things as a startup getting to scale up is how to get investors and how to meet investors right mm. anyway that's a conversation for another time and in the evening I basically do um, train to game which was I'd knock on doors in southwest London and ask people if they wanted training sessions I only got offered out by a husband once <laughs> and thankfully I was in decent nick so do you want to just explain what offered out means oh yeah no it's, 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 a, it's a football fan term for someone wanting a fight um, but I think it was some neaky banker who I think I would have folded in a minute um, what what happened with that then? So so I knock on the door, yeah. talking to his wife. His wife's obviously fallen for the young buck here. Right. He comes storming out, saying, "Why are you doing talk to my wife?" And I said to him, "I said, I, I looked at him and I said, really? Like I, I didn't want to be arrogant, but it wouldn't have been much of a, a matchup. And thankfully, the, the the wife diffused it. And ironically, I ended up training her. Oh, really? Okay. For, her, for her wedding. That's which, funny. Which made me smile. But that was where my sort of love for cold calling came in. Mm. I, I just get a weird sadistic buzz out of the the unknown of what's going to happen. And as a founder, that's beautiful to have because when you're raising for investors, that's what you need to do. I've spoke to so many um, high-up CEOs who have always said to me, that oh, I couldn't do that. 
literally. Mm. You, you know this working in sales, calling someone up, saying, I've got this product, do you like it? And then when they say they like it, there comes this moment, right? And it's the, the choking factor. Have you seen 21 Jump Street? Yes, one of my favorite movies. When Jonah Hill and, and Channing Tatum's like, he's actually choking. When he's, he's trying to ask the girl out to the dance. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah? <laughs> uh, that happens. That happens to so many investees when they're raising. So it will get to the point where it says, yeah, yeah, love it. Great, Jamie. It's, it's brilliant. I love it. Then you go in for the close and you're mm. like, right, do you want to invest? So many people bottle it at that point because it's, it is. It's fucking nerve wracking. Yeah. But like anything, if you're not getting nerves, it's probably not right. Like nerves is a good thing. So anyway, going back to the story, sorry. Um, did train to gain and about six weeks in, one of my clients at the time was like, you should try a bodybuilding show. And I laughed, I scoffed. I told my friends they laughed. And in three weeks time after that, I signed up to one. So I was training three times a day, eating six bland meals a day, bed at eight o'clock, up at five for cardio and it was just monk like like how are you um i'm always interested in this bit because i've been through this journey myself but Mm. how did you figure out how to prepare for a bodybuilding show so i I got a coach oh okay so you went straight in like any all i'll tell that what i'll tell anyone is it's not a cheap process and i did it as a student so thank god i was running trained to gain at the time which was giving me income um i got a coach and it's like anything in life you know always speak to people who have done it before so I've always said I'd never hire a coach who hasn't done a bodybuilding mm. show. I wouldn't hire a men- I wouldn't pay for a mentor if he hadn't built, sold, and exited in multi businesses. Right? I think you've got to walk. You, yeah. You've got to walk it. So I hired this coach. He was great. And uh, two weeks out from my show, I can recall it. I, I'm on the treadmill at five a.m. and my girl friend at the time walks in at five a.m. from a night out, and she's like this is too much breaks up with me on the treadmill <laughs> I still finished the session though I still did the 60 minutes of cardio despite you know tears running down my face that's not a lie I genuinely did I was that obsessed with this show I ended up not doing great but you know that, that's another another topic so uh, anyway this all sets in and I'm like right there needs to be something out there for like minded gym lovers to connect and there were, there were other products out there, but there was no brand and there was nothing like really getting me off my seat. And I was like, I want to create a brand that stands out, that has community, that offers so much more than just an app. Because in my opinion, not knocking any apps out there, if you're an app, you've got a ceiling. Mm. If you're a brand, you've got no ceiling. And that's where the likes of Gymshark have been mega smart because they've now got a thing where they can offset any new product under Gymshark. Mm. Gymshark gyms, Gymshark supplements, whatever. And so I created Fit FCK. Well, to, to just take a step back mm-hmm. here. So, um, the so you, so you your girlfriend at the time has broken up with you. Mm-hmm. So, did you were you already thinking of creating a business or like how no. long? So this process then. So she breaks up with you. Yeah. How long after that did you actually think of building probably, a business? Probably two weeks after, I'd say a couple of weeks. Okay. Like the the emotional sort of emotional damage, like relaxed <laughs> a bit. And um, yeah, I just thought, right, I've, I've got to do something for this. I knew it was a screaming market because fitness will all, fitness will always grow as long as social media grows. And this is so fucked up to say, but the more, the bigger social media is, the bigger fitness will be because mm. people want to look good on social media. Yeah. As you know, yes, we train for mental benefits. That's a huge thing that I'm a massive advocate of, but there's no denying that people train to look good as well. And I think that anyone who says that they don't is virtue signaling, which is a whole different podcast for another day. So anyway, Fit FCK was born, fit as fuck. That's the whole brand. I was like, 
this needs to be out there. I want, took a bit of inspiration from a, another fashion company that I'm sure you can imagine who that is. Yeah. And um, I legally can't say who that is though. Had a two year legal dispute with them over the name. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was quite interesting. And um, yeah, so I created the app, um, built it with some developers in London, won't name them, but it was an awful experience. It was overcharged for everything. Uh, and then I moved it in house and got a friend of mine to develop it. He developed it as an individual himself. And we got 200,000 signups on the platform. Uh, we worked with over 200 influencers. We featured in all over the press for right and for wrong, but that's our brand. We don't care, you know, as long as our community likes it, that's all, all that we really are bothered about. Um, and then, you know, it sort of became what it is today, which is, you know, this this brand that we're building. And I can hand on heart say that building a brand is a lot more exciting than building just a product. Mm. Definitely. Because you get, there's more belonging to a brand, I feel, and more meaning to it, you know. Yeah, like you said as well, it's, um, you haven't got the ceiling. You can sort of branch off and, and do other things. Like I did this Q&A on Instagram the other day, which, you know, I don't have many followers, but everyone who follows me is really engaged at the moment. Yeah. Only like 500 people, but like the reason I'm doing that is because I want every, I respond to every DM, all this stuff. And this guy said, he's like, will you do Fit SEK gyms? So he clearly sees that. Mm. And I, I said to him, I said, no, it's not one of my plans. I just don't have any interest to do that. But the point, the point is he saw that we're trying to be this brand, not just an app. Yeah, people you know, are seeing the vision. A random, sorry if that's offensive, but a, a random Instagram follower saw that and said that yeah that was very that meant a lot to me yeah it's awesome I, on followers as well like uh, i'm really interested in, like personal branding and, and that sort of stuff because mm. i find it i find it really fascinating but it's it is so much about the engagement as well right have you have you found that like it's the followers accounts obviously it matters to, to a degree but sometimes it can just be vanity metrics yeah totally and we're finding that at the moment doing our influence campaign you know uh, you know, we get sent accounts who have got like 200K followers and they get like 2,000 views on a video. But then we get someone with 17,000 followers and they get 10,000 views on a video. So genuinely now, when you see our influence campaign come out, it's accounts of, let's say, 20K to 100K followers. Mm. 100K is the most. Because it is about engagement. It is about what are they saying? What's their message? And, you know, we've even found with our own account that becoming relatable is what's building us. Sorry. So like, when we've done a video that's relatable to our audience, it pops off views-wise. Yes, we have other platforms that share our videos, which helps, but if we just post something that's not relatable at all, I can just tell it will just dip in views and it won't do well. Mm. And I think the the algorithm probably senses that. They're like, right, what's this message? Shall we put it through to the homepage, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that as well the the higher followers get sometimes get least views there was that um who was that i think she might have been in the fitness space but there was someone who it was i think it was like a year or two ago and it was around the time that brands started to realize that the money they were paying a lot of these people wasn't converting like the roi was terrible was it shreds that shreds company no, it wasn't a company it was um it was this massive influencer she had like five million um followers oh. and basically she was like she get loads of engagement and stuff like that, and she she launched her um, own clothing line, mm-hmm. and you know everyone thought it was going to be like the next big thing, and she had like a run up to it and everything. She was getting like ten thousand likes on every single picture, mm-hmm. and she launched and they sold like twelve t shirts. 
Well, this is the thing is that like you need to consider what they're influencing. Mm. So, for example, and this isn't a knock to, you know, OnlyFans, for example, I'm the last person to knock it because it's, it's changed my business. Yeah. Um, but if you've got an OnlyFans model who then one day decides to sell a uh, FX trading program, of course that will be. Yes. Because it's not relevant to the audience. Now, the girl that you're referring to might have been pure eye candy to her male audience. And Mm. why would her male audience want to buy her clothing line? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all relevant to what your audience is. Like, our audience is, for the majority, uh, 21 to 31 is the main sort of age gap. Male and female, we have more female than male, and they are gym goers who are single. So we know exactly what they want. Will they want, um, you know, uh, like I just said, would they want us to release an FX trading course? Of course they wouldn't. Would they want a dating app? Of course. So you mm. just need to know what your audience want. How have you managed to... Because the, the, the gender ratio is really interesting, right? Mm. And obviously it's, it's great for you guys, but yeah. how, how have you managed to achieve that? Was that intentional or was it just sort of that happened accidentally? It's, it's intentional in the sense of that's what, what I've always wanted because, you know, I, I genuinely don't really care if I offend any of the lads here because it's just true. Like, girls will follow girls and guys will follow girls, right? It's not the same if they're slight guys. What I'm saying is like, a, 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 having girls as the majority audience will create a better dating app experience and dating event experience. Mm. Um, I just think that, I also think that girls have got a stronger message on Instagram a lot of the time. I think that they're, they're you know, girls resonate with um, sentimental message and like brand messaging. And our whole message the whole time is yes, we're cheeky, yes, we're edgy, you know, yes, we're a bit marmite to some, but our core value is to connect like minded gym lovers in what can be a socially isolating lifestyle. Even if you're a regular gym goer who trains five times a week, finding someone that can understand and relate with that is quite hard. I've found that a lot myself. Mm. I'm seeing someone at the moment, and the fact that she trains to the similar level that I do is pivotal to why we get each other. And yes, we just look fantastic naked together. <laughs> <laughs> do you train? Um, do you train in the same gym, or do you keep that separate? So I joined um, Third Space. I'm now at the upper echelons of London. No, <laughs> no. So um, me and my business partner basically joined Third Space last month because we thought, right, um, where are we going to want? Where are we going to meet the right people for our A round fundraise when we do that? The most expensive gym, Third Space, right? And we basically said to each other, we we're like, right. For a year, let's call it two grand for membership, right, each. Will we make that back? In the first week, we met someone who said he wanted to put in 20 grand. So it's done. All right, so it's always about what will be cost effective and will you make the money back? So if we hadn't have done that, it's just an ego, ego flex to say we train at third space. Yeah. So I train there. She works at um, a different third space behind the desk. Awesome. I don't go to her gym, though. I like yeah. my own space I like to pull ugly faces I like to sweat smell all that and I don't want her to see that yeah it's it's um, I, I know some guys that like they wouldn't want their partner to to train with them at the gym you know but it's the whole thing of like I think a lot of people it's, it's it was it's definitely something that's hard to find isn't it when you're, when you're into fitness it's hard but you know I, I'm no stranger to the fact that when you train with a girl you train harder 100 percent. like there's been studies that showcase this that you 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 know your testosterone spikes for example i've seen some 
yeah some yeah, funny some Instagram TikToks videos and, and stuff like that stuff. but it's true it is true like you know if you're around a girl that you're attracted to and who arouses you you know if you're let's say bench pressing and she's watching by logic you will get the extra rep in yeah it's like when your girlfriend comes to see you in like school playing f- school football team or school rugby team isn't it mate that is the best comparison I've heard it's fact uh, you'll play better when your girl's watching you yeah or you'll, you'll try harder at least yeah of course like you know it's evolutionary and um well, no girl, no no girl wants to watch a dead baller, and no girl wants to watch a bloke who lounges around in the gym if she's into the gym. Is it um is it in Pumping Iron where Arnold Schwarzenegger's like lifting girls? I'm pretty sure that's Pumping Iron. I mean, that dude literally had the ideal physique. I mean, who's your uh, who is your fitness role models then? <laughs> from a bot, from an aesthetic or from a let's do both. Okay, so from an aesthetic point of view, the first fitness inspiration I got was Jeff Side. So Jeff Side. Uh, was part of the whole like, aesthetics movement. That was me when I was like 18, 19. Yeah, look him up now. He's he's a genetic freak. I've definitely seen him. I'm just wondering if I'm confusing him with someone else. So like physique-wise, I just thought he had the best like V-taper, everything like that. And um, he was probably like the reason that got me into training for looks. Obviously before that, you could probably say that my inspiration was someone like Josh Lucy from rugby. But, yeah. you know, from, from an aesthetic point of view, it's Jeff's side. This uh, guy. Yeah, mate, perfect. But he's only 28. Yeah, yeah, mate, he's, he's like around <laughs> my age. He looks ridiculous though, doesn't he? So how did you, you said you got into him at 18? Yeah, so I was watching him and he was one of the first fitness YouTubers. And I just remember watching him, I was like, how? He would have been 17. Mate, he was like an 18-year-old sensation when he came on the scene. Oh my God. Yeah, he's huge, isn't he? Is that, was that the similar sort of um, era to like Ziz? So he was the first rebirth out of Ziz. Right. So when Ziz passed away, yeah. I remember looking at Jeff's side like this is the first guy to kind of like emulate it, as well as Ziz's brother, Chesper, as he calls himself. Um, but what I rated ironically about Ziz wasn't his physique or any of the like muzzing or any of that stuff that he did. It was actually his message. Mm. I rated how Ziz said, you know, like our man Liam Gallagher says, be yourself, you can't be no one else. Mm. That is literally what Ziz was saying. He's like, fucking be yourself, you got one life, go out there, live it. And who gives a fuck what anyone else thinks? What was it you say? Uh, don't be a shit cunt, be a sick cunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, obviously, you know, that that word is a lot more used in Australia frequently. Mm. I found that odd when I went there. But, you know, that, that that's what he means. It's like, be yourself and just be... You've only... It's not a dress rehearsal. Mm. Like, life is not a dress rehearsal. Of course, you've got your afterlife beliefs and whatever, but the moment that we're in right now, you won't ever have again. So... And that's what has been the big turning point with my startup journey, is... I'm still to a degree like chronically hard on myself but like I'm now learning to live in the moment more and be like you know this is cool what we're doing you know and embracing the shit times as well mm. you know so like when something shit happens you're like okay right it's happened and then the next day you're like do you know what got a roof over my head I'm running my own business I've got some great people around me could be a lot worse on that then what's mm. because you've had an interesting journey over the last few years haven't you yeah. so I think I think every probably successful founder has to be honest nothing's ever linear but what's like the biggest challenges you've had to overcome um the two-year legal dispute with a billion pound fashion brand with a similar name to us was in my second year of business that was very tough basically thinking that i wouldn't get my name accepted having put it all over social media and Mm. i had to take a backtrack that was quite difficult but in terms of like um you know, 
what else has been has been a task mate there's there's been so many and i'd say that the hardest thing that i've experienced was the investor raise and there's a reason why it's not talked about as openly as many do as many should sorry is because it is fucking brutal it is brutal like i spoke to over 100 people no i spoke to 200 people and i've got 20 investors so by definition that's a one in ten success rate that's good one in ten is is hard to get and that what i would say is that you always need to think right i'm in 2020 last year 2022 yeah um what have i got that can get more than just capital through the door with an investor so i fortunately have a social media driven business so that means that people can bring a lot more to my business than just money. I've got investors with 2 million subscribers. I've got investors with 300K followers. I've got investors who advise. I've got investors who work in social media like yourself who can always add value. Mm. So I now look at a FitSEK investor with three poles of capital, social media clout, and value elsewhere. I never just look at the money. I've said no to someone who has a hell of a lot of money who offered to invest the whole round, but we didn't get on. And I knew that working with them every single day would be hard. So I knew that taking 20 or so investors with smaller check sizes compared to one with a huge check size would be a lot better. And the reason as well why that's a lot more effective is when I go to do future investment rounds, I've got 20 investors who will all know two people, and suddenly I've got a lot more investors, mm. and they'll know people. It's very chainmail-like, because it's in the investor's best interest to get new investors in, because it improves their share. Of course, value. yeah. So to answer your question, the raise was very hard but I loved it. What does that look like then? How do you, how as a <coughs> as an entrepreneur, as a, as a founder, because there's obviously going to be people who listen to this mm-hmm. who are going to be interested and mm-hmm. they might be at the very, very early journey. Mm-hmm. But like, so you've got an idea, you've, mm-hmm. you, you maybe you've got mm-hmm. an MVP or something. Mm-hmm. How do you actually go out and get money from people? So the first thing I'd say is, to anyone who's looking to do it, is take a good hour to really do a SWOT analysis on this as to whether you think you should. Like, I know so many people who've done raises and it's just gone awfully for them because they're not built for it. And truly, you're either built for it or you're not. It's it's hard. It's very hard. And there's more hard days than good days, but the good days feel incredible, right? So the first thing I'd say is to answer your question, how do you go about it? Um, draw up a Rolodex. That's the first thing. Once you've done all your business model, you've done your deck, you've done... I actually disagree with decks at this stage. I think that you are the deck. I don't think that a piece of paper is your deck. I think that at seed stage, the founder is the deck. Mm. So meeting someone in person is what's going to really get the gauge for interest. But draw up a roll of decks of investors. Google's your best friend. Find out recent funding rounds. Find out what social media influencers are investors. Look at subscriber count. That's normally a good indication that they'll have some cash lying around. And then put them onto a deck and go out and approach them. Call them, email them, DM them, inbox them until you get an answer. That one, my first investor, I think I sent four emails to before I got a response. Wasn't one of them the YouTube guy? Yeah, Sam yeah. Harry, someone who I would literally now consider one of the most valuable investors I've got. And he's a, I'd say if he didn't invest, he's a top bloke. But, you know, I literally cold emailed him from his YouTube channel. And he said, he was like, that's part of the reason I invested. There's not a person on this planet who would not appreciate that. Yeah. You trying to kick a door down to get to them because it's hum- it's it's picking them up. You're yeah. like, look, I'm desperate to talk to you. No, like, well, I must be something, you know. And clearly they are because they've done great things. Um, so yeah, get a deck, uh, get a roll of decks drawn up, 
you're gonna need minimum 100 people, minimum, and then just kick the door down until you get there. Persistence is the most valuable thing when you're doing a seed round. Yeah, what I, um, in, in sales, because mm. obviously that's my area, I always, when I was developing business as a, as a recruiter and, and in, as, in, as a sales exec and whatever, I always used to do something called, what I used to call polite persistence. Mm-hmm. where I would basically almost annoy people to the point where they'd meet me mm. um, but with a smile on my face yeah. so, I'm, so you, you're, not, you're not being a you're not being a dick about it you're not being that you know mm. slimy salesman but you're not mate you're selling a product that you think will benefit them yes you'll yeah. get a kickback but you know you think it's relevant to them so you know it takes two minutes for someone to say no yeah. right? that's what I always say if you're not interested just say no tell me to fuck off whatever that's great um, at least I know they're when we stand and it's like with anything in life, if you know where you stand with someone, there's no issue. The grey area, when you're not getting a reply, is when I get twitchy. And yeah. that's when I get a bit punchy. <laughs> um, so you're emailing all these people. Uh-huh. You're getting some good wins. Yeah. And then how, how does it work then? So do you actually have to go meet them in person? Like what's the time scales on all this? So... Typically, you want to have a time scale on each person. Like, you don't want anyone to lead you on for a continuous amount of times. And just before I go into, it, I'm not an expert in this, but the past year I have learned a, a copious amount. Right, on this, give every lead a time frame because mm. you will get people who will drag you out um, for a number of reasons. But meeting them in person is the most important thing that you can do. That is the most important thing. Looking someone dead in the eye and saying, "I want you to invest in my business," and seeing their reaction will tell you everything. I've, I've, I've known a guy's not going to invest because I've seen it in his eyes. Yeah. I've known that guy's going to invest because I've seen it in his eyes and he's responded to me on the spot. Now, if they say they need to think about it, that's when it gets a bit murky. How many people did you meet? Oh, well, over 100. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's um, so time-consuming as well. Yeah, it is, but you've just got to... I mean, I was very fortunate. You know, the first pilot we did, I funded out of my own money. And I saw the interest for this product. So I wasn't blindly kicking the door down. I was kicking the door down with a product that I knew 200,000 people wanted. Mm. And that was a big thing. And, you know, I said, look, we had an app that wasn't great and 200,000 people downloaded it. Imagine what will happen if we do a great app with a big brand behind it. Um, So that's another thing is don't, like, blindly kick doors down. Make sure you've got an MVP that you know people want. Yeah. You know, there's nothing more annoying than someone's kicked your door down for ages and then it's not very good so the last like 12 months then fit fck seems to have like exploded right like mm. in terms of reputation i never heard of you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. i came across you on linkedin i think yeah. i think i was actually trying to recruit for you at the time <laughs> but um what have you been doing for the last 12 months and what's changed in your approach like mm. how have you because obviously you've been at this for for mm. a while beforehand, but the last twelve months it seems like everything's clicked, right? You, you've answered your own question there because like, there was like a year before that twelve months when nothing happened, mm. and this is the thing is that um, I talked to one of my investors, James Vogel, the other day, and he was basically saying how uh, he'd gone out to do something leisurely because he could because he was still making money whilst he was leisurely. Sorry, whilst he was relaxing, his business was still generating money. But he said no one saw the year before that where he was grinding away for a year solid trying to get that infrastructure in place. And the same with FitFCK. You know, um, I was raising for a year 
and then they started to fall in one by one. And so, like, people always think that the Tim Stockley announcement came out of nowhere. I'd known Tim for four years. That had not come out of nowhere. And then all the other investors had been in the works for a year. So, you know, what I would say is that if you ever see a snowball effect with a business, it's never just out of the blue. There's always a lot of background stuff. There's sleepless nights, arguments, fights, crying, all this stuff. And then things start to fall into place a bit. Did you, because I, I didn't know that. That's why I was interested mm. in timescales because mm. it's like the whole athlete analogy of someone trains for an Olympics. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they do six, seven years of training for a, a 10 second sprint. Mm. But, and then obviously everyone only ever sees the sprint. They don't mm. see the six years of training. But over those over those last few years then have you always just believed have you have you have you ever had a, a point where you're you know applying for a job or do you know what I mean like so I mean to answer your question you ever get moments where you don't believe of course you, you do and that's another thing that you need to make sure you've got it up top to believe that you or you can turn it around or whatever make sure you've got a good support system around you because you will get moments where you question yourself if you get anyone who's never questioned themselves, they're lying. Even the lie. Cristiano Ronaldo, Conor McGregor, the, the biggest egos in sport, right? They would have questioned themselves at one point. Of course they would. And that's, you know, the fact they've gone through that is why they are where they are today. You know, so have there been times where I didn't think it was, it was going to work? Of course. You know, um, with 70% of my investors, I reckon, there was a moment where I thought, fuck, they're not going to do it. They don't believe in it. And if an investor doesn't believe in it, that's quite hard to take. Mm. You know. Do you take that personally when someone no, says no? Never take anything in business personally. Never. It's it's completely leave emotion at the door. This is about your product you've created. You will get people who try to target you personally, but you just need to realise that they're not worth it if they're doing that. But like, you know, the first thing that I've and I'm not perfect at it, you know, my dad will tell you because I talked to him about everything, like I'm not perfect at this. I do take things personally, but I try and my ethos is is to separate the two completely. Mm. And it's very hard, but I'm getting better at it slowly. What sort of, like, criticism and pushback have you had? Um, I mean, look, you don't have to look very further. We get people who don't like the brand, of course. You know, we get people who don't like the product. We, we get people who think it's elitist. Fine. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've had people say to me that I'm, you know, too, too aggressive in raising. I'm sorry, I don't think you can raise non-aggressively. I think if you, you know, if you're tapping on a door... With Coldplay playing in the background and wearing, you know, a pink T-shirt and whatever, I think you're not going to get hurt by anyone. Mm. You know, you need to be on the front foot. You need to be kicking doors down. And you need to know, let people know that, look, I'm serious. I'm, I'm in your face right now. I want you to invest. What do you mean? So what do you mean by aggressive, though? Like, what, what, we, look, so what I, we actually no, doing? I don't, I don't mean by like going getting them by the throat. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So aggressive raising, for example, is, you know, email them. Are you interested? If so, how much? Here's a term sheet. Let's go. Right, okay. Let's not talk about, you know, what I trained at the gym today. Let's not talk about what we had for dinner. You know, we know each other now. Let's get into mm. it. Um, and then, you know, the thing is, is that if you don't do that, you will get strong and you'll waste your time. And with a startup, my God, time is currency. It really is. Because the moment you can afford some downtime, you realise how valuable that is. Yeah, I bet. I mean, it's just the fact that you met 100 people like that that could be like a whole year's job to some people totally but the great thing is with our events for example is that you know the main reason we do events is for community and for building the app you know love affair let's call it um but 
the thousands or so people that have come to the events, they're all future crowdfunders. Mm. So that's another thing is that like you need to be ready to meet people all the time because they will build your business. That person who's paid for a ticket to your event, if he has a good experience and he likes your app, you never know in 10 years' time where he may be. And he might be like, Jamie, you still doing that? You still doing that for FCK thing? Oh, I've just I've just come into this. Like, let's let's do a JV. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You never know. So never ever ignore someone who's shown love to your brand. Ever. I still answer every single DM. That's awesome. Um, I think that's it's interesting how you think actually, because you're always thinking like a, like a visionary. Like you're always thinking about the bigger picture, how to expand. Mm. Um, and relationships are obviously very important to you, which of course, mate, which is everything, right? But it's it's like a video game. The life of a founder is a video game. If you have your 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 map out, if you've got your so, for example, all I'm thinking about at the moment is um, until September, right? Because we've got a number of things happening. Something big's happening in uh, you know Q two Q three around our A round. And my mission this year is to get that A round raised and closed because that will be the next stratospherical growth stage for this when we look to raise a considerable amount of money. Um, but within there, there's little uh, boxes that you're jumping on to get to the next level. Mm. So for example, we won't do our A round if our app's not built. We won't close our A round unless we've got people on the app. We won't, you know, we won't close our crowdfund if our community's not buzzing. So, you know, it, it really is like, um, what's that Mario game? when he's like jumping on the boxes. Super Mario? It's, yeah, it's like Super Mario. Or Crash Bandicoot, for example, where yeah. he's trying to get to the big boss the whole time and our big bosses are way around. Yeah, like, like they're essentially like milestones, right? Like just trying 100%. to- 100%, and if you don't have them, and I, I personally believe I'm a bit on the spectrum for a couple of things. And one thing that is quite a beautiful thing in that is that I can see things in my head, like visually, Yep. Like I can, it's weird. I've got this like thing where month by month I can see what's happening and I've, I'm, I kind of visualize it as a bit of a cartoon character going forward, going forward, going forward. And I think you need that because if you don't, you just sat around with your, with your thumb up your ass, not doing much. That's interesting, actually. Um, the, your thought process, because mm. it, it's like very highly goal orientated, basically, yeah. right? So, and you're able to visualize it. And people always talk about visualization, but. It's, I, I think a lot of people when they're trying to do things, it doesn't have to be setting up a multi-million yeah. pound business, but they they get sort of lost amongst the weeds. Lost in the source. Yeah, yeah. and you just, you just sort of going through the motions and then before you know it, three months has gone by and you, you've been busy, mm. but you've not like actually achieved anything. So I suppose my next question would be actually, I think it'd be really interesting is as a founder, Productivity and organization-wise, do you have a system? Do you have like a PA or a VA, or do you just sort of naturally flow? So my days at the moment fall into five segments, which is um, app, investors, product, podcast, and then community. The five pillars that every day I put on my board, and I'm like, right, what needs to be done under each of those? It's going to lead to the future goal. Um, do I have a PA or a VA? No, because as a founder and as a startup founder, I, th- I personally believe you need to do as much as you can because that's what this is all about and that's what people buy into. Um, I've got recently a COO who is one of my best mates and that's helped a lot. He's taking on products and events work, which is great. 
Um, but in order to have a productive day, you need to have systems in place, I believe. Because there's a huge difference between being busy and productive. A massive difference. Yes. And another thing that I'd say on the startup ecosystem, which I've seen a lot of, is that when companies raise money and when they start generating whatever, it's very interesting to see where they invest that money. So personally, we have a two-man office for a couple hundred quid, right? And we've got very few staff. Uh, my, my COO is a shareholder, so it's in his interest. He's, he's good cash-wise. And then we've got consultants and you know freelancers that work with us. And then a great investor system, right? All of our money goes into tech and market because that's what it needs to be. What I'm referring to is that it's very interesting when you see a lot of startups, you know, raise money and suddenly, you know, they've got a huge multi-million pound office, they've got 16 people on the payroll, but no one knows their product. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have a product that everyone knows where, similar to the Primark analogy earlier, got a fairly modest office and, you know, not many staff, or what would you rather have a, a P. Diddy-like office mm. <laughs> with, a with 100 staff, but no one knows who you are? Do you think it's because people like... It's ego, mate. Yeah, I was gonna say, and it's tradition. It's it's very it's British tradition of uh, gotta have a proper office, gotta have a load of staff. Like why? Why? It's the same people who say that you need a suit to go to work. Why? Why mm. do you need a suit? You've got. I literally know so many startup founders who go to to work in a suit. I'm like, why? Like you're your own boss. Why are you wearing a suit? It doesn't bother me. I'm just raising the point. Why are you doing it? Yeah, trust me, bro. I've I've I work in sales, mate. So. <laughs> I've I've had that question. I used to work for this uh, this insurance company, yeah. and it was really funny because like, so there was there was two floors, right? Mm -hmm. There was uh, a down floor which you could see, uh, a, a ground floor which you could see through the window, and like you know yeah. it had all the insurance drones mm. clicking around their computers, and they were all like it was like fluorescent lighting, white tops and everything. Sure. But we were we were doing like um, modified import like Japanese cars like Subarus and stuff right. but we were like upstairs and you couldn't see us mm -hmm. but still we had to come in with like suit and shirt and, and uh, I was saying to my boss I was like why do we have to dress so mm -hmm. smart uh, like to the point where they gave someone a disciplinary because he got out of his car in the car park without his tie on see I think a lot of that is actually mind games and it's just a certain dominance from the person who said Probably, yeah. time. but <laughs> for example with our investor raise yourself for example you invested your partner invested I don't know if your partner does but I know you don't go to work in a suit right there's a guy who gave it Billy flash chops on LinkedIn to me goes to work in a suit every day at some bank and he, he literally told me in the end he couldn't couldn't invest because he didn't have it right and I'm like it's just ironic that the bloke who's wearing a suit or the bloke who works at home or we work in his own clothes had the capital to invest and he didn't you know, it's, yeah. it's, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors when you're raising money. A hell of a lot. Yeah, I mean that same with social media, right? It's, it's the, the biggest. It's your it's your world, um, and it's the best. The fitness influencing world as well, right? It's it's the best and worst thing to happen. Yeah. To society, I think, like it's the best for business, um, but socially, I think it's it's awful. Where do you reckon like things are going with like AI and? I mean, social media is not going away. I saw, um, it was really funny actually, I saw this LinkedIn comment the other day, that I think the guy was about 70, but he said, oh, social media is a, a fad, It's going. It, it won't be here for long. I was like, what are you talking about, mate? Um, it's been a pretty long fad already. Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> I mean, but, it's since MySpace. Yeah, it was, so, because we're, we're a similar age, so... MSN, Bebo. I'm just trying to think, of, so it was, so the first, I suppose the first sort of chat roomy stuff we had was AOL, 
Jesus. Because, yeah, we used to, um, it was like paedophile central over there. Let's be honest. Right, okay. It was, yeah. We used to play, me and my friends used to play a game. We used to like, um, we were only about eight or nine, but we used to play like, um, we used, yeah, we used to like entice people basically because basically, um, <laughs> it's all right, but we'll cut it out. But it's, uh, we, we used to like, we used to talk and then you'd get like a, a person say, ASL. Asex location. location, and then it would be like there'd be like forty six M, and um, it's it's funny actually we say this because we were like eight and we're of paedophiles. Yeah, but like so we talked about earlier. I don't think there's any shame in being aware of these things like when you're that age because you need to know and you need to learn. Like yeah. I think that with this cancel culture that we've got going on, I personally couldn't disagree with it more because I think that cancelling someone is kind of like running away in an argument. You're just getting rid of the problem without addressing it. So, for example, if I disagree with what someone will say, if it really grabs my attention, I've got the energy to, because a lot of things I don't have the energy to discuss right now, but I'll say, well, why do you think that? Mm. And nine times out of 10, if you're having a sober, clean discussion, you'll either see their point of view or you'll empathize with how they're feeling because you don't agree with it, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, okay, he thinks that, but maybe this is why he thinks that. Maybe this happened to him. Yeah. And it's like with the, you know, with the tape thing, like the two things that I'll say is that, you know, um, <laughs> when people say free, free speech is available in the world, no, it's not. It's, it's definitely not. Free speech is at the lowest it's been, 100%. People now are telling themselves what they think they should say because they, they'll look like a good person. Mm. You know, someone said to me the other day, she was like, um, oh, you know, I, I don't think a personal trainer needs to be in good shape to be a personal trainer. So I said, well, would you ask a tramp out to make a million quid? Mm. So what do you mean? So I said, well, if I want a personal trainer, I want someone who's in shape because I'm going to think, right, he's done it. He can share his knowledge with me. On, on that, right, yeah. I'll ask you something because um, I've, I wanted to be a PT mm-hmm. when I was younger. You're in shape, though. Uh, not shape as you, mate. There you go. Good uh, <laughs> I, so I wanted, to, I wanted to be a PT and then um, I was getting into nutrition. So that was one of the first things. So I used to be quite skinny and that was mm-hmm. my first really big insecurity. Uh, and I was like, oh, I need to be massive to like to attract to attract talent, uh, not talent, uh, clients. Yeah. And <laughs> and uh, but I, I I actually knew a, a PT back in the day. He was cardio based though, mm-hmm. and that's obviously a different thing. So do you think because you can't with cardio, it's weird because you can't tell if someone can run a marathon. I just firmly believe in you need to walk your talk in any realm of life. For example, I wouldn't want like I said earlier, I wouldn't want a mentor who's not done it. Mm. I wouldn't want a mentor who's just worked in a corporate firm his whole life and now he's trying to tell me how to be an entrepreneur, you know? Um, I wouldn't ask a footballer how to play rugby. You know, I I just need, for me personally, I think walking your talk should come before anything. So, for example, your cardio coach, okay, what what events has he done? What's the distance that he's covered? Mm. Um, For example, if... You know, someone had gone through body transformation and they weren't in incredible shape. Yeah, I'd, I'd back that. But what I'm saying is that I wouldn't go to a PT who's clearly out of shape, smoking fags, vaping every second and drinking beers on the weekend. Yeah. What am I going to learn from that? No good lifestyle choices. And I think that we shouldn't be scared to say things like this. I think that yeah. now you'll get people saying, oh no, they don't need to be in good shape. You know, it's all about who they are as a person. Because they're telling themselves that, mm. you know. Um, and... It, I think so. What I was just saying is that free speech. I think with the the Tate thing, it's long when it's long winded. It's definitely a conversation for another podcast. But two things I'd say is that free speech is at an all time low. I think, and I don't disagree with council culture. 
I think that we're making the kids of tomorrow, you know, very mentally. You see, um, you, don't, you, you do disagree or don't disagree? Sorry, I disagree with council culture. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make I sure that's that clear. We're, I think we're making <laughs> kids like for the future a lot um, underprepared, you know, because mm. when they do get faced with real shit, they're going to be like, oh, shit, I didn't hear about this. It got cancelled when I was younger. Yeah. Didn't you try, almost get, well, someone tried to cancel you the... Yeah, I mean, we, we had like a company say that we were elitist and stuff and said that we we're going to get cancel culture or cancel for that. And I said, look, you can try and cancel us, but we've got a, a very loving community right now who are creating not just only training partners, dates, relationships, hookups, but mm. you know, friendships as well. I said, it's hard to cancel that. You can cancel an individual... Actually, I no, go back on that. I don't think you cancel an individual. I don't. Um, you can try to, but it's a lot harder if there's a fostered community behind that person and with that person. And that's the thing yeah. is that I feel like anything that, within reason, you know, anything that we discuss within FitFCK, there's just such a community behind it. And that, without a doubt, is the thing that I'm most grateful for within the business. I think um, with cancel culture, so... I think people thought they could cancel individuals, right? Mm. But, because how long has cancel culture been around? Five, six years, something like that? But the irony is, mate, is that half the time, the people that are cancelling are, are being incredibly aggressive and nasty towards a person without noticing it. So, for example, I don't know if you saw, uh, there's a TikTok or HS Tiki Toki. Oh, yeah, I, I've seen him pop up in my feed. Yeah. He, he did a very bad video that I don't dis- that I don't agree with you know, saying, you know, people play on mental health and that people should just man up and it's, it's not that easy. We know it's not, right? And of course, he, he probably knows he's done wrong. But there's the comedian Dapper Laughs who then went on and said, you know, you shouldn't say this, you shouldn't say that. And then it just got more and more aggressive to the point where he was like, your money won't last, you're going to be fucked soon. And I thought, well, hang on. You've gone from teaching him a lesson to kicking the bloke when he's down. Mm. There's a fine line between, you know, addressing a problem and fighting aggression with aggression, but you you're coming off as a better person because you're attacking the initial the initial person in the wrong. Yeah, you know well, he got, he got cancelled as well, didn't he? Of course, and, that, and that's the irony, is that you know, cancelling cancelling over cancelling. Look, I think where I'm going with this is that I just don't think that it's it's the right way to solve problems. I really don't have the conversation. Mm. Why don't you agree with it? Why do you disagree with it? Of course, there's exceptions. You, you, your paedophiles, etc., etc. That shouldn't even be entertained. But you know, because someone's got a view on how people should think, that's not cancelable. Yeah. Th- so there's a conversation going on at the moment, obviously, with Elon Musk buying Twitter, and he's doing some interesting things, right? But he, so he's let guy. Trump back on, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. And it's a lot of people, uh, a lot of the podcasts I listen to they agree with it because they're saying like like Joe Rogan for example I probably mentioned too much on this podcast but there you go no um, <laughs> we doing if it wasn't for it. he was I think he was talking to Lex Friedman uh-huh. on his podcast um, on the Joe Rogan podcast recently and they, it, he was saying like well surely the right thing is to, to keep them on the platform uh, and, and I suppose you do have to draw the line somewhere but it's surely it's better to have people are disagreeing with people than completely removing them from the platform and then not letting them get that criticism because Trump's now gone and uh, joined a... Rumble, isn't it? Um, Truth Social, is okay. called. 
They do okay. this thing, you know, like retweeting. It's what? called retruthing on there. <laughs> ah, that's very good. But what, what I would say, and I'd, I'd love anyone to disagree with me, is that there are far worse things on Twitter than Andrew Tate and Donald Trump. Yeah. There are utterly appalling and disgusting videos. Not porn, but like violence, fighting, everything. Mm. Not even fighting, just people getting beaten up that are just allowed. And people retweet and say, hey, 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 he got beaten up. Far worse, right? What it is a lot of the times that like, it just comes down to someone doesn't agree with something or I haven't got time for that. Yeah. I need to get rid of that. There is such a thing as not addressing a problem, not, not, not addressing it. So for example, if I don't like someone, I'm not gonna follow them on social media and engage with them. I'll, I'll actually probably mute their profile because I haven't got the time or energy to, to, to you know, fume at them. Have you seen that Ricky Gervais, uh, do you like Ricky Gervais? Love him. Uh, uh, you must have seen it then, but it's, the, it's his joke where he he says this is what Twitter's like. Um, it's like my dad said this the other day. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the, what the one where he, it's, he says, oh, it's like if someone went into a shop and saw a poster for guitar lessons, mm. and they went, oh, I don't want guitar lessons, and then called the person and went, you right? Are you offering guitar lessons? I don't fucking want yeah, guitar yeah. lessons. Couldn't, couldn't be true, mate. Don't come into my shop if you don't like it. Yeah, that that that's it. You know, do do I? It's like what I always say with Fit SCK is that. Do I care what someone who's never in the gym, lives an unhealthy lifestyle, bit of a negative person, do you think I care what they think about Fit SK? No. Do I care what Sally, who goes to the gym four to five times a week, who takes care of her, her health, her body, her mind, do you think I care what she thinks? Yeah, of course I do. Because she's in our community. With a niche product, the more time that you give to people who don't like your product, you're just wasting it away. All of your attention should be focused on consumers and who cares like I genuinely like care so so much about you know our community and what they think and what they feel to the point where on our app release they're the actual photos in our platform now so when you sign up to a dating app normally you'll get stock images right ours is our event photos how yeah. cool is that though I've, I've been to one of your events obviously they're That's pretty wild like- <laughs> Yeah, you're. Um, you've pretty clearly put a lot of work into them as well because you you do them. Like, do you do them by yourself, or do you have a couple people that help you? So now I've got obviously James who runs the events. I come up with the ideas. He operationally he's brilliant. So that's like his COO role. Last year it was all me, and I will. They're, they're mad. I, I honestly, when I came, I I either expected two things. I expected you have a team of yeah, like yeah, ten people, yeah. or I expected it to be small. Yeah. And it was massive, and it was just you running around like a headless chicken, yeah, yeah. networking and I mean, sorting I've, everyone out. I've never touched a drug in my life, and that's a God's honest truth. No performance enhancers either. But the amount of times that someone thinks I'm on substance on those events is frankly annoying, because I'm just so wired. Um, I probably shouldn't have as many Red Bulls as I do on the night. They don't talk well, you got to your own energy drink. Uh, Red, Bull, <laughs> Red, Red, Red Bull unfollowed us, which is oh, really? Christ, the, the pettiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you having a laugh, really? Nice, it's great. I mean, That's I thought, so, Jesus what's... Christ, a multi-billion pound company is upset by us announcing an energy drink. That's so strange. Jesus, man. Um, yeah. what, what is, the, so with the energy drink mm. then, what is going on with that? What's the, so what's the deal? that whole video was kind of to raise awareness of the fact that we're developing it, and that's obviously why I said coming soon, and what we're going to be doing with it is, you know, uh, after Q2, we're going to be having it at all the events, it's going to be stocked in gyms, and we'll obviously be selling it on some on- online stores. Um, but what's really cool about it is that any location that we work with can't stock any energy drink. That's our deal. So mm. we're like, we won't take bar split. 
but you can't have Red Bull, you can't have X, you can't have Y, you can't have Z, you only have fit or sick energy. So if you think about when you go to a club and how many people have a Jaeger bomb or like a Red Bull with something, Red Bull vodka, loads. At the gyms, everyone needs a pre-workout here, they'll have our drink. Mm. And, you know, it's not much of an answer to the to locations that we work with. Um, and again, it's just furthering this whole brand expansion of not just being a dating app. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really interesting, mate. It's. Uh... But I also wanted to do it, mate, because... I want to gauge interest for the investors that we speak to when they say, okay, well, how many people want this product? Well, okay, well, 80,000 people saw that video in 24 hours. 20, if you haven't 000. seen this video, by the way, um, <laughs> I'll put a link to it actually in the bio and yeah. the comments or wherever I post this. So do you want to tell people actually what you actually did? Because yeah, it's so hilarious. I'm watching Wolf of Wall Street with my, with my dad last year. Like it's a video that is, is a film that we, you know, just laugh at a lot of the time because it's just so fucking funny and um, when he's doing the scene of walking out of his house when he's like yep on a daily basis I take enough drugs to sedate Manhattan Queens and Long Island for a month that scene right I just remember watching it with him and being like how sick would it be if like replaced all the drugs with like gym products and I was for ages I had this idea I was like right when am I going to say it when am I going to use it and then when I was like the energy drink I was like oh my god perfect Um, the you know the fact that our audience resonated with it so much I knew would be the case because it's a very millennial, Gen Z, iconic film. Probably not Gen Z, millennial, iconic. Yeah, it's because when was it? 2013, yeah, I think. Probably it's one of my favourite movies. Probably couldn't one. release it today, to be fair. No, I don't, think, I don't think you would be able to. But what a film. What a film. And it's just uh, so funny because in, that, in Jordan's team, there's so many people in that system of his. I've got mates just like who now work with me. Oh, do you mean in the movie? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've got a mate who is like a slim version of Donnie. That's we so don't funny. work together. He's but... Jonah Hill's character, right? Huh? Jonah Hill's character. Probably one of my favourite actors at the moment. Love him. Love Jonah Hill. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, his transformations are quite something. Yeah, he's he's been for an interesting journey. Have you seen his... Um, he released a, a, a movie. It wasn't really a movie. It was like a documentary sort of thing with a therapist. Yeah. I saw that. Um, I think it was Stutz or something. It was on Netflix, wasn't it? Uh, he just released an Eddie, a movie of Eddie Murphy recently, but it's not very good. Well, Eddie, I don't know. I've, I've never really been a huge Eddie Murphy fan. Don't dislike him, just haven't really found his comedy that funny. Same with Jim Carrey. Will Ferrell, Ooh, I find... Uh, we disagree on that. I the first we ever disagree on, Jamie. Will, Will Ferrell, mate, I find Nick Wetting. Like, just fucking hilarious. Any film yeah. he does. Will and uh, Ben Stiller, in some films, is on that level. At a point, we had an iconic group of actors who would do films together. Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller, and Will Ferrell. You had like Wedding Crashes, you had Starsky and Hutch, you had Dodgeball, uh, Anchorman. such a good movie. That's what I view FCK as. I view us, I view us as Globo Gym. <laughs> and, and I view other companies as average Joes. We're a fed FCK. Yeah. We're better than you. Yeah, yeah, we, we know, know it. it. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. seriously, I put that on our socials and it was just like all of our audience were like, yeah, we are better than you. Mate. They, fitness people, we love the, the, the elite vibe because, you know. Yeah, it, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because you're whenever you say something like that, like everyone, everyone's got so sensitive and it's not going to last, but I, don't, I, I can't see it lasting, by the way. I think this year it will, it will turn. I think I think it's already starting to turn. Mm. People are starting to see that this isn't sustainable, and it's and it's just going the the it's going too far to to a certain side. You can it, only physically hold your tongue for so long, mate. Mm. Right, literally. And 
I had someone DM me after the Wolf Wall Street video saying, the irony is that it was aggressive what she was saying. She wrote, do you fucking think you're Jordan Belfort? Mm. Clearly I don't, but I wrote yes. Because if you're taking it that seriously, give your head a wobble. It's like on the last podcast when I said that blokes who don't bench over 100kg shouldn't bench at all. Do I genuinely believe that? No. Is it a I was joke? hurt by that, mate. I, was, uh, right. I cried myself to sleep. I mean, all my mates were, but it's clearly a joke. And I said... I said, I was like, if you get offended by that, you know, don't go outside. It's a big, scary world out there. You'll hear a lot worse. Yeah, exactly, mate. It's, it's like, this, is, this is the thing. It's, the problem is we've got so comfortable as a society mm. that we are, we're now getting concerned with things we shouldn't get concerned about. Just like small things, like yeah. like the whole, um, just, you know, oh, everything's in the news. I don't even have to say. Like, there's, there's so many different topics at the moment. Um mm. And it's just getting out of control. And apparently as well, so this is an interesting one. So again, I heard this, I can't remember what podcast I heard it on. But they were saying like in history, it happens all the time, apparently mm. in human history, mm. the more comfortable we get, mm. it's weird. We start focusing on things that, that we weren't focusing on, like gender, for example. It's because you got, I mean, it's, it's something that I try not to comment on that stuff because it's like, I'm probably not well-versed enough in it, information-wise. Yeah. And that's, I've always said, if you don't know the subject, in and out, don't comment. So mm. I'll talk about someone to Arsenal all day. Will I talk to them about Accrington Stanley? No, I don't know anything about it. I just won't comment. And I think that what I would say is that comfortability, your, your best times and the best progress in life will come from the opposite of comfortability. So when you go through a shit time, that is when your best times will come. Because sun always comes after rain, right? Mm. I'm not trying to sound like Gandhi. I'm not trying to sound all metaphorical or one of these Instagram motivational gurus. But I am saying that there's no shame in having shit times. And that's what I think we are getting into now is like people are scared to have them. Yeah, for sure. This is the problem. We, we're, we're too comfortable. And this is why I like people like David Goggins who... He needs to be able to bench more though. I don't, Do know, you know, I don't know if you saw that video where he's screaming at the bench press. He's benching 50. I'm like, come on, bruv. I'm not, I'm not hearing that. Well, yeah, but mate, he's an ultra marathon runner. Like, I'm joking, you know. obviously he's a beast. Hey, oh, do you know what though? I actually saw a um, a video this morning of him because because mm. he, he's you know he's super lean now. He used yeah, to be yeah. a, a powerlifter, didn't he? Mm. But um, he he was leg pressing like all the plates after mm. running a, a marathon. Mentality wise, he's he's unmatched. Mate. It's just ridiculous. And bear in mind, he's got like bone on bone knees. He hasn't I mean, got any cartilage in there or something. Going back to it, mate, I'd say that the most personal development I did was. Firstly, in the investor round, as a person that mm. I really found out who I am, and also after my parents' divorce, one million percent. Mm. Um, being an only child, I had a lot of alone time. When did your parents get divorced? When I was 21. 21? Yeah, okay, because yeah, yeah. my parents got divorced when I was six, yeah. and that definitely had a big impact on me. Yeah. But 21, that's a, a strange a lot, age for it to happen. It's, 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 it's unique, that's for sure. Um, but, like, you know, don't prefer either one of my parents one bit like it didn't impact my view on either of them mm. because I was 21 I probably had a not mature but like a more balanced view on it um, did it was it difficult of course it was is it still difficult yes but like I will 100% say that I learned so much about myself and I don't think that a lot of the progression of fitness okay wouldn't have happened if that didn't happen that's interesting seriously I think so because I, I got a chip on my shoulder about a lot of things and you know, some of it could be related to the divorce, but I personally think that nine out of ten startup founders should or will have a chip on the shoulder about something. Gets you out of bed in the morning. 
What, what does that give you though? What sort of drive? drive? Aggression, drive, spunk. You know, literally. You know, it's what will get you up, what will get you out of your flat, what will get you on the tube at seven in the morning to go and do, you know, a deal, um, a partnership, your next bit of tech work, you know, because you're like, right, I'm going to do this. Because if I don't, it all fails. But what I meant was, what your parents getting divorced, how does that drive you? Like, what do you take from that then? Um, probably just like some of the anger towards it. To be right, okay. Me, the anger towards the situation you know, motivated me when I was competing in the gym. You know? mm. um, and as a startup founder, it, it it drove me because, you know, I had a lot of pent-up anger in some of that. Right, and then it gave you, you channeled that energy. And that developed my self-awareness. So it's this big continuous cycle, mate, of I became self-aware because I was like, right, I'm feeling very angry here. A lot of people don't even know that they're angry. It's bizarre. Mm. And I can spot it a mile away because I felt it myself and I've been in that position where I've been a very angry man at some point. Mm. I'm not now of course I get angry I get angry when I watch Arsenal but like not recently mate <laughs> oh, I don't know mate talk again well ho- hopefully we can listen back to this podcast for me anyway and um, I can laugh at it because you didn't win the league but I think you're going to it looks like who's going to bottle it the least uh, as you said on voice note yeah video. honestly yeah. like I can't believe I, it's interesting as a Chelsea fan because we are our season's so done and you know I actually, on this podcast, I do like sub-series for like Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So I do like a weekly Chelsea one as well. And I'm just, I didn't even record one last week when we lost yeah. to Southampton because it's its so, I'm just repeating myself. Just. But what I will say, and the reason why that ties into what we are just talking about, yeah. <laughs> is, is before we go off on a complete tangent, and it is relevant. I, I can remember going to, to football when I was like, fucked up about the situation, whatever. Just taking out on the football and looking around at me and think I was looking around and thinking there are a lot of men here who are in the same boat. Mm. Go to the football, take it all out on the football. Um, but like, yeah, that's an, that's interesting. You say that. Actually, I never thought. One hundred percent, mate. One hundred percent. A lot of the guys who go to football on the weekends, you'll see taking out of their anger and getting into fights. So I never got into fights for football, but like all that stuff. But yeah, look to conclude what I was saying. That anger that I realised that I had built my self-awareness and I think self-awareness is the most important thing that someone can have without a doubt like above empathy above sympathy all that stuff self-awareness is the key not as a businessman just as an individual agreed just to to end this then mate mm. um, what's the next like year for Fit FTK looking like what, what's next for well you? I mean the, the immediate next is um, our app release when's this going out um, within the next few weeks I imagine so we're recording this on uh, 24th of Feb so so yeah next event is in Manchester can't wait one of my favourite cities in the world love it um, we're announcing our app launch we're actually doing a launch week um, and we're currently right now deciding which brands to partner with and I can't say who they are but they're two brands on the same level as Gymshark so they're very big Wow. I'll tell you when we've done this yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah so like get the app done that's the immediate focus and then like I said the next six or seven months is all planned out leading towards the A round um, and yeah that'll be that'll lead to our real kick-ass exp- expansion plans awesome mate what you have to do is come back for another episode in 12 months time and um, in the Bugatti in the Bugatti <laughs> and uh, yeah so. it'd be interesting to see it'd be interesting to look back on this I love doing them mate I yeah. love doing revisit podcasts I did one with my mate recently and it was, it was amazing yeah I bet and what was the most interesting thing we spoke about the shit times 
yeah. in the past year. Because I, I, I talked to him about everything. I was like, oh, mate, do you remember when I called you up about that? That's what we start talking about. Not about the hype, we spoke about like the fuck-ups and the mistakes. Well, th- this is what everyone always says, because I'm building a business at the moment, but this is what everyone always says. The hard times are the most interesting times, and they're, they're the bits you look back with uh, fondly, right? Yeah, and I, I do smile when I see the multi-billion pound business owner saying that. Um, right. <laughs> so, like, of course you're going to say that. Like, you're, you're where you are now. Um, but, you know, it's, it's good that we can take that from him. Because I've, I've heard, you know, very successful people say that, and I took note of that, and I'm, you know, trying to do the best of it now. Um, but, yeah, it's... There'll be more shit times than good times, but the good times definitely outweigh the shit times. Yeah. That's what I always think. What's your one piece of advice for like an entrepreneur or founder who's listening to this? Don't do it. <laughs> no, seriously, don't do it. I, I always say it, it's like, sit down, think for a long time, do you want to do it? Weigh it out, because it is the most mentally, emotionally and personally battering experience you'll do and you've just got to have the plums to do it. Not the plums, sorry, like, not that. You've just got to know that it's what you want to do mm. because if you don't want to do it, don't. So not don't do it. Don't like, do it because you Carefully see, consider your yeah, decision. And don't do it because you see it on social media, you see Andrew Tate in a Bugatti or you see Jake Paul, you know, in a bloody helicopter. Do it because you've got a purpose, you've got a reason and you fundamentally think, yeah, I'm built for that. Mm. And there's no shame in not. There's absolutely no difference in my mind between being an entrepreneur and, and working for someone. It's what suits you. Totally. Awesome, mate. Cool. Um, where can people follow you and find you? Um, all handles are FitFCK. So LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok. And YouTube are the ones that we're most prominent on right now. Um, and then personally on Instagram, I'm the Fitness Cupid, obviously. The Fitness Cupid. The fitness Cupid, yeah. Cool. I, hopefully we'll be able to build that once we've built 50k a bit awesome mate thanks so much for coming on alright